Hey everyone, welcome to Huron Chapel. We're so glad you could join us for this message series, Paul's Powerful Progressive Plan. Life is full of choices, and every choice you make will either take you in the progressive life-giving direction God has planned for you, or rob you of the opportunity to know the full life God intends for you to live. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and please share this podcast with your friends. We're going to have Dave Gagne come and speak. He's the fellow in the loud shirt right here at the front. And Dave is on, I'm going to see, I know he's on finance team at our church, missionary team, our worship team. He's our small group coordinator. Um, He and Isabel lead the tremendous uh, financial piece that we do at our church. Um, So we are wanting, he's our webmaster. Our webpage is as good as it is because of Dave. He does the logos for us, like for... And so we want to get Dave a little more involved. We're just kind of concerned about him. So uh, <laughs> got to step it up. So he's going to come and speak for us today in something that's close to his heart. So this morning, I get the privilege to talk about Paul's powerful progressive plan. Now, what's with the title? So Pastor Mark has shared about this message series based on the New Testament uh, scriptures that God had the Apostle Paul write. So it's powerful because... These are the very things that God wants us to know so that we can live in victory. It's progressive because we are challenged to change and to move forward in our faith walk to be more like Jesus. And it's a plan because God desires us to make wise decisions with the choices we face in our everyday lives. So this morning, I have some questions for you to ponder as we walk through this message titled, The Choice to Discover Joy. Throughout this message series, we've been challenged to make right choices as according to living as followers of Jesus. Through the Holy Scriptures, we've been given directions, a map for living our lives to bring honor and glory to our King. So my first question to to you is, have you been challenged? to the point that you have changed something? Or are you in the process of changing something about you? Not about your spouse, not about your children, not about your neighbor, of changing something about you to be more like Jesus. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you about the three T's about our time, our talent, and treasure. And more specifically, about giving away our time, talent, and treasure. And even more specifically about being joyful about giving away our time, talent, and treasure. Are you ready to be equipped? Are you ready to be equipped? Amen. Okay, so we're going to challenge each other today out of our comfort zones. You've come to the right place to hear God's word, to challenge us, so that we can be changed but we can also be the change through Christ to our world around us. You may remember that in December, during our Advent message series, I said that joy is a choice. Remember, I choose joy. In this series, we're talking about choices, and the average adult makes a whopping 35,000 decisions every single day. While that may seem like a lot, this covers everything. In fact, on average, we make a decision of some type every two seconds. Some are choices like, what will I eat? Will it be the vegan salad or the two-pound super spicy hot burrito? 
What kind of music will I listen to? Will it be classic rock or classic country? (laughs) As well, we make major life decisions that alter the course of our life within seconds. Good or bad, right or wrong, we all make decisions. So the challenge in this series is to make decisions, to make wise choices that align with God's Word so that we mature in our faith walk to be more like Jesus and that we impact people's lives around us as we reflect Christ through us. We are talking about time, talent, and treasure and how these things are directly connected to the choice to discover joy. Each of us has resources in all of these areas, these categories, and we often have far more to offer than what we think we do. So first, we're going to talk about time. Who here has ever said, if only there was another hour in the day? Or, if only I had more time, I would, you fill in your blanks. Fact is, we've all said it or thought it, and the fact of the matter is, if I were able to grant each one of you an additional hour, it wouldn't be too long before you would be back to me for another additional hour. For such a precious gift from God, I believe time is the one thing that we consume without giving it much thought, and dare I say, we waste the most of anything that God provides to us. As is the case with talents and treasure, each person's view on each of these is unique to themselves, and time is no exception. For some, escaping from the grind of the work week and hitting the lake pleasure boating is time enjoyed, while for someone else, it may be weeding the garden that they find delight in. Uh, Some people actually enjoy bundling up in the winter and to take to the slopes for some downhill adventures, while some enjoy sitting by a warm fire with a book in hand. Some people, like my wife, enjoy walking up a big hill simply because it's there, (laughs) while I enjoy taking a seat midway, probably less than midway, waiting for her to come back down. We are all wired differently, and thank God we are. I don't think there would be enough Hawaiian shirts to go around for all of you. (laughs) Time has value. When we work, we are making an exchange of our time for some treasure. Some of us have talents that our employers deem to be more worthy of treasure than others. In God's kingdom, time is a valuable resource that can have a direct dollar impact to a community. So, for example, in 2017, Ryerson University conducted a study of the volunteer hours that Huron Chaplers donate, and based on their study, they concluded that the dollar amount, uh, the dollar impact to the church and surrounding community was in excess of $1.9 million. That's something that still amazes me and tells me something loud and clear about this body called Huron Chapel that we have a firm understanding about investing time into kingdom causes. Time is money, but giving our time to kingdom causes has an eternal impact, which cannot be measured by dollars. A recent example of this would be VBS that was just a few weeks ago, with 249 children in attendance and over 90 volunteers that committed themselves and gave freely of their time to share about the good news and to equip children to live and to follow after Jesus. That's giving time, talent, and treasure that will have an eternal impact. So I want you to open your Bibles to 
James chapter 4, verse 13 to start. We will get around to talking about Paul because this is all about Paul's notes to us. But we're going to start with James. James chapter 4, verse, starting at verse 13. So it says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. When it comes to time, how do we manage time that's considered with our mission? To love like Jesus, to live like Jesus, and to lead others to Jesus. What am I, what are you doing with this precious gift called time? And how are we fulfilling our mission to change one heart at a time? The question to ask ourselves is, how do I choose to use and give away the time I have been given by God? Moving to talent. What comes to your mind when I say the word talent? If you're like most people, you automatically tend to think about special abilities, celebrity, possibly an actor, actress, or musician. You may think of some of the great artists from Rembrandt to Picasso. You may think of America's Got Talent and some of the acts that you've seen on the show. All of these things indeed have talent attached to them, a form of talent, but the talent is so much more than surface-level observations. Talent also includes your unique personality and character traits, such as are you outgoing, contemplative, determined, stubborn, visionary, thoughtful, or are you funny? That list is endless, and all of those parts of us describe how God has made each one of us uniquely. Your talents also include your life experiences, which are made up of your family background, your education, professional and work history, and the experiences and wisdom that you've gained from those, as well as your relationships and the connections that you've made to others. In addition, we all have different interests and passions that God has placed in our hearts. One such person that comes to mind is former U.S. President Jimmy Carter. Not because of his position, but because of what he accomplished after being president with his influence and leadership. He founded Habitat for Humanity, which has had a global impact, even within the walls of Huron County, Ontario. Listen to this statement that he made. My faith demands this is not optional. My faith demands that I do whatever I can, wherever I am, whenever I can, for as long as I can, with whatever I have, to try to make a difference. And he has been able to do just that. When you get that focused about something, anything, that is attached to faith in Christ, nothing is impossible. For those of you who do not know, I've been a graphic designer for 30 years and have a passion to provide design for ministries and churches, uh, Christian nonprofits all over the world. And one client I currently provide design for is Habitat for Humanity of Orange County, L.A. I just love how God uses our talents intertwining our lives with others of like mind to bring about his goodness into others' lives. These things, our abilities, personalities, passions, pursuits, knowledge, 
experiences, relationships, networks are all resources that we possess that can be used and given away in some way. There are also spiritual gifts that we are to use in building up the church. These are found in Romans chapter 12 verses 6 to 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 verses 1 to 12 and verse 28, and Ephesians 4:11. To summarize those verses, these gifts include spiritual discernment, giving, leadership, mercy, administration, teaching, evangelism, wisdom, exhortation, and more. Let's consider the talents of the Apostle Paul for a moment. He was the greatest persecutor of the church. He was also a brilliant mind and had a deep knowledge of Jewish theology. Paul was a gifted scholar and writer. He was a Roman citizen, something that caused him to be arrested and imprisoned on several occasions. God used every aspect of Paul's abilities and circumstances before and after his Damascus Road conversion. Paul's imprisonment turned out to be a talent, an experience, that God used as Paul wrote most of his letters from a prison cell. We all have talents that we can share with our church and communities. There's a quote from Henry Van Dyke. He was an author, a U.S. ambassador, and a follower of Christ. And he wrote, Use what talents you possess. The woods would be very silent if no birds sang there except those that sang the best. What has God given you? Moses had a stick. David had a slingshot. The Apostle Paul, he had a pen. What did they all have in common? A willingness and desire to let God use whatever they had, even if it didn't seem very useful. If you will take inventory of what you have to offer in terms of your time, talent, and treasure, and ask God to show you what next, you will have a better understanding of how you can uniquely serve, how you can give to bring glory to our Lord and King. The question to ask ourselves is, how do I choose to use and give away the talents I have been given by God? Okay, so I'm going to go there. I'm sure I'm going to step in somebody's cornflakes this morning. You're asking yourself, can he even talk about money in church? And the answer is absolutely. And it's a joy too. Jesus talked a lot about money. 16 of the 38 parables were about how to handle money and possessions. And in the Gospels, 1 in 10 verses talks directly about money. In the Bible, there are 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but there are more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. I think that sets the stage that talking about our treasure is an important area in our lives that we ought not to neglect. So let's talk turkey. When it comes to money, I want to bring things into perspective. If you earn $32,400 annually or more, you are in the top 1% of all the income earners in the world. Think about that for a moment because it should be a cause for pause as far as how we think about our treasure. The average household in Canada has over 300,000 items. Some have less and some have even more. Now before you think I'm coming down on anybody with a heavy hammer to cause feelings of guilt over what we have, I am not. I'm simply shining a light on an area that many people don't want to talk about because our stuff whether you admit it or not, has a direct connect to our heart. This is why Jesus talked so much about it. 
It's a sensitive topic and one that we tend to hold privately to ourselves. But it ought not to as followers of Jesus. My question is, why do we? If our Lord talked about money and possessions more than prayer and faith, why do we have hang-ups when it comes to talking about money and stuff? Some of you here today know Isabel's and I's story when it comes to money and stuff because we talk about it. Some of you are still wondering who is this guy at the front? Let me introduce you to me. Hi, my name is Dave and I like stuff. Hi Dave. Hi, Dave. Right? We're all part of that club. We recently celebrated 25 years of marriage, but for the yeah, woohoo. But for the first 23 years, our finances were a disastrous mess. Long story made short, we found ourselves in a very dark uh, pit of financial problems and a marriage that was hanging on by a thread just a few short years ago. We had been living on six-figure income and borrowing over six figures in debt to credit cards, vehicle loans, and other debt. It came to a point that we attempted to file for bankruptcy. We did file, though, for what's called a consumer proposal, which means some of the debt was forgiven, but the good chunk of it was required back. Now, at the time, we owed $136,000 in consumer debt, and this was an addition to our mortgage. How did we manage to get that deep in debt, you're asking? Unwise decisions, spending money we didn't have, but the banks eagerly lent it to us through loans and credit cards. And it was over time and slowly, like the frog in boiling water. Put a frog into boiling water and it will immediately jump out of that water. Put a frog into water and slowly turn the heat up to boiling and you will eventually have frog legs for dinner. We were paying back our debt, but still found it was so very hard to make ends meet. Our business took a huge decrease as the market shifted after the recession, and the stress level of carrying such a debt load was overwhelming. There's nothing wrong with having stuff, but the problem is when stuff has you, and that is where we were trapped. Our stuff owned us. So we discovered Dave Ramsey's financial peace and figured let's try this because everything we had already tried had been so successful. That's sarcasm for those of you unaware. We had nothing to lose by trying. So fast forward from start to finish, we got on its plan which is based completely on biblical principles and applying them through the wisdom learned in the course. Within 18 months we cleared off all of our consumer debt and now we're on track to have our house paid off in the very near future. Since then, we've coordinated two financial peace classes here at Huron Chapel and have seen others experience the same hope and freedom that we have. Now, if you've taken financial peace, I'd like you to do me a favor. If you could just lift your hand up and keep it up just so people can have a look around to see who you are. Because if you're looking around, you see these hands up. These people have been educated how to handle money God's way. So ask them questions. Get to know how they're handling their money. The, Glad to share it with you. So now it's time to talk about the tithe. What's the tithe? It's a Christian word. If you're, if you're not a believer and you're here and you're learning for the first time, I'm going to share with everybody what is the tithe. Now firstly, I can tell you that the tithe, tithing is not a salvation issue. Okay, so it's not connected to that at all. What a tithe is, a tithe is 10. In the case of giving to our storehouse, to the local church, it's 10% of your increase or 10% of your income. And to be very specific, it is the first 10% of your income. 
I refuse to be legalistic about this topic. As some people would argue, that was Old Testament time, the ten. And most all of the time, those that wish to engage in debate about the subject are arguing for the sake of giving less than the ten. If you give 5%, that's not a tithe. And if you give 15%, that's not a tithe. A tithe is 10%, which we give unto the Lord for His kingdom purposes. God does not love you less if you do not give, nor does God love you more if you give all you have. There are over 2,000 verses to study if you really are interested in knowing more about giving according to God's Word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, His Word says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you, through His poverty, might become rich. Christ's unselfish, complete giving of himself is the standard for our giving. That's an awesome spot for an amen. <laughs> Christ's unselfish, complete giving of himself is the standard for our giving. Amen. amen. Our giving base is the tithe. That's just the base. In light of Christ's unselfish sacrifice for each of us, who could possibly ask oneself how little a percentage can I give and be okay with? The question to ask ourselves is, how do I choose to use and give away the treasure I have been given by God? In reflecting on our time, talent, and treasure, we must give consideration to the financial resources that God has entrusted to us. We can't say, I volunteer my time to help those in need, or I use my talents to raise funds for my charity, so I don't really need to give my money. Following Jesus is not a either-or, pick-one-or-two proposition. We need to be stewards of our time, talent, and treasure. We need to steward all three. Now, some of you are wondering, what did he just say? Be a steward. And that's okay to wonder, because to be honest, I never fully, really understood what that meant until we took financial peace, because it's explained wonderfully in the Course. As a brief overview of stewardship, I have a video clip I'd like to show you from Chris Brown of stewardship.com for you to have a watch. Stewardship is managing God's blessings, God's way for God's glory. Based on Psalm 24, 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Another version says, All it contains. In the original language, all means all. <laughs> so it's everything. Yeah. And so That's the Hebrew word, right? Exactly. If we're not the owners, then what are we? We're the managers. Mm. And, the and Bible I really says, do believe that. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it says those who have been entrusted to be managers must prove faithful. Mm. And so it's not a math thing. People need to understand it's a heart thing. When you really are thankful that God has entrusted you enough with his stuff, that's a crazy thought, right? But when you have that deep down in your soul and you are spending knowing that it's a spiritual practice, not just an earthly practice, well, then everything starts to make sense. Then budgeting makes sense. And you're like, oh, Proverbs 2019, where there is no vision, the people perish. And so I need to have a vision for my month or my quarter or for my year. You start thinking through savings. And Proverbs 2120 says that, that in the house of the wise is choice food and oil. You start thinking about inheritance. And Proverbs 1322 says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And then you think about debt. Proverbs 22.7, the borrower's slave to lender. You think, start caring about those things, but it's not about necessarily 
necessarily the physical handling of it. It's the heart behind it that we get to manage the creator's stuff, which is a crazy thought. And you need to know that up here, not up here. You need to know it right here in your heart. You're like, oh, he trusts me. That's so cool. That is so cool that God trusts us with his stuff. Chris said stewardship is managing God's blessings, God's way, and for God's glory. It's not about the physical handling of the blessings. It's about the heart behind it, that we get to manage the Creator's stuff. That's awesome. In Acts chapter 20, verses 35 to 36, Paul is saying his farewell to the Ephesians and says, In everything I did, I showed you that by this hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Paul reminded the people with a saying that was familiar to them. He said, remember, as if they had heard this before, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I think this is one of those scriptures that we read over, we nod our head and say to ourselves, yep, okay, I got it, but we really don't get it. If we're honest with ourselves, we don't get it. Uh, we all like to receive. And I know I do. Giving doesn't come naturally to most of us. We like being at the receiving end. And it is for that reason that we must allow for change in our hearts. To not just be hearing the words of Jesus, but be doers of the teachings of Jesus. Now there's nothing wrong with receiving and it is not a blessing. It is. What we are told is that giving is more of a blessing. God blesses us with time, talent, and treasure. And one of the blessings that come with receiving is that we have the opportunity to give some of it away. God's Word says it is more blessed to give than receive. So when we give, we don't give to receive, we give to give. The Bible is clear that when we give, we also receive back from the Lord. When we give, we are receiving, but our heart is already hardwired to give, so we are giving to give. Knowing His Word says we are blessed, so we, we give because we know that we can continually be in giving mode when we get to give so that we can keep on giving. Now, we get to the heart of today's message, the choice to discover joy. The Bible teaches that those who follow Jesus should be cheerful givers. As Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver. Paul assures us that the Lord takes a special delight in those who are joyful, energetic, and merry givers. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And then the Apostle Paul goes on to say in verse 7, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. First of all, the Lord Jesus expects and requires us to give. In Matthew 6, 2, Jesus said to his disciples, when you give. He didn't say, if you give. Christian giving is not optional, but it is essential because giving is rooted in God's love. Let me say that again. Giving is rooted in God's love. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. What we do for the Lord flows out of our love for Him. I'm going to wrap up with three quick points on how then should we give based on what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9-7. We should give decisively. 
Paul says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. We need to be purposeful and intentional in our giving. We must decide what we will give and where we will give, and then we need to follow through on it. Our giving shouldn't be something that happens by accident, but should be planned and thought out. We should give decisively and intentionally. We should give emotionally. Paul wrote, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Our giving should be passionate and heartfelt and not a mechanical routine. It should become an extension of what God has made us passionate about. Perhaps we give passionately of our time to missions work. Or perhaps uh, we give passionately of our resources to Christian education. Or we use the talents of being a, a class A mechanic to repair cars for single moms or seniors at no charge. We should give emotionally. So in the first part of this verse, Paul tells us about the what and the where of giving. What should we give? We should give what we have decided. Where should we give? We should give from out of our heart. This tells us that the whole act of giving combines the mind and the emotion. Paul says that giving includes the decision, which is the mind, and the heart, which is the emotion. And the third point is we should give cheerfully. The second part of 2 Corinthians 9-7 tells us how we are to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving has more to do with attitude in which we give than the actual tangible or intangible stuff that we do give. God is concerned about how we give from the resources that we have. It says here in verse 7 that people should give not because they have to, but because they want to. Because God loves a cheerful giver. We get to. The purpose of giving is to remind us of God's love. We give to God out of the abundance he has given to us. Giving is a recognition of God's faithfulness, a celebration of his provision for us. The fact is, all we have, everything, has been given to us from God. When we give, we are not giving out of what belongs to us, what we own. We are giving what God has placed in our hands. Our giving, therefore, is an expression of our thanks and is part of our worship. Giving breaks the grip of greed in our heart. Giving obeys God's command. Giving submits to God's lordship. Giving exhibits God's heart. Giving illustrates God's salvation. Giving trusts God's provision. Giving advances God's kingdom. Giving testifies to God's power. Giving praises God's character. And my favorite, giving widens God's smile. Worship team, could you please join me? In closing, at the heart of the gospel is the sacrificial, self-giving act found in John 3.16. For God so loved... We can all do this together. You all know this. Come on. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's why when the Apostle Paul wanted to encourage the Corinthians to give more, he pointed them to Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 8-9, he said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. When we give sacrificially for the benefit of others, we are faintly and on a small scale 
preaching the gospel message. That should stir up your spirit and know that when you give to give, you are being more like Jesus. That indeed fills my heart with joy and I am compelled by his ultimate giving to give unto him and to others with an unspeakable joy as I cheerfully give. Allow that to stir in your hearts this morning. Let's stand and pray. I simply wish to leave you with one further verse to encourage you this morning in your journey to discover joy through giving. So let's pray. And the verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. But just as you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Lord, may these words encourage and equip us this morning to take to heart how you would have us give of our time, of our talent, of our treasure, that we would discover great joy in the act and worship of giving to you and to others in the process that we would live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead others to Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to you to give you a window into our church, but also an open doorway for you to enter into our community. Our Sunday service from June to September is at 10 a.m., and we welcome you to join us as we love like Jesus, live like Jesus, and lead others to Jesus. Please remember to visit HuronChapel.com and like this podcast to let others know about Paul's powerful progressive plan.